speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The epistle is from Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Several years ago, when studying the Athanasian Creed in a Bible study, a lady, she shook her head in disgust, and she said, you know, this creed makes no sense. It sounds like a bunch of legalistic garbage. In other words, after we had gotten done reading this Athanasian Creed, the one that we just confessed, she found herself bewildered and confused, frustrated. And so she lashed out. She attacked the creed. She attacked it to diminish it. But the question remains, why? Why attack the creed? Dear friends, all of us have this desire to try and figure things out in life. This is how we are. We like to make sense of things as human beings is how we're built. And so when we can't make sense of a thing, it can actually drive us to fear. Or worse yet, it can make us feel small and powerless and then frustrated. And so this lady's reaction to the Athanasian Creed had more to do with the creed standing not below her but above her. She felt small when she confessed the creed. She couldn't make sense of it. And so she lashed out against it. She rejected one of the pillar documents, the pillar confessions of the historic Orthodox Christian Church. Now, it might be easy for us to toss this gal under the bus. However, her struggle, it's found in all of us. Yes, her struggle, it is found in all of us. Her struggle is our struggle. In other words, we humans have this tendency to want to fully know God's mind, to know his plans and actions, but why is this so? From the very beginning, mankind has had this deep desire to penetrate God's mind, his plans, and his actions. Adam and Eve, as we know, for instance, they wanted to be like God, so they ate that fruit from the tree. They invaded the realm of God to make sense of things on their own terms, which is why the rest of humanity followed suit. But again, why do we do this why do we want to penetrate and invade God's mind and plan and actions? Well, simply stated, we want to know God's mind, plan, and actions so that we can understand God and then, here's the point, put God to work for us. In other words, if we can understand God's mind and his plans and his actions, we can then go along and write up some sort of flow chart, a detailed flow chart, and then we can manage God and use them to our advantage. For example, if God does A, B, or C, then we can look to our detailed flow chart and then 
know how we would respond in order to take advantage of God to get the desired outcome that we want. Like a meteorologist, we want to be able to predict the plans and actions of God so that we can respond in ways to prop ourselves up. Perhaps like a stockbroker reading the stock market, we want to anticipate the signs of God to put God's actions to work for us. Frankly stated, we want to make God small so that we can put God on a leash and then tug him around to do our bidding. If we can figure out God's mind and his plans and his actions, we can box God up and then manipulate him again to our advantage. Now, dear friends, our reading from the epistle of Romans here this morning tells us something otherwise. You see, in our epistle reading from Romans, the Apostle Paul tells you and me that God's extravagant generosity and his wisdom are not thin, they're not flaky, but deep. That is to say, God's generosity, his mercy, his wisdom, and so forth, they're over our heads. We will never be able to figure it out completely. Paul then asks us the following questions. Do we truly have access to the mind of God? Are we smart enough to tell God what to do? Have we done God such a huge favor that God actually owes us? Are we so grand in our accomplishments that God has to ask you and me for advice or ask us permission to do what he wants to do? The answer to these questions is an obvious no. We do not have access to the mind of God. We are not smart enough to tell God what to do. We have not done a huge enough favor for God that he somehow owes us. We're not so important that God has to ask us for advice. Now, dear friends, we need to remember, please remember, that we are the created, not the creator. We're not the shepherd, we're the sheep. We are clay, not the potter. We are servants, not the master. And so the point being, we are completely and totally incapable of tracking and comprehending and understanding and directing the will of God. All of our best efforts to penetrate God's will to exert our own influence are futile at best. Now, when thinking of all of this, I'm often drawn to C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In Lewis's fictitious book and his fictitious world, there's actually a lion named Aslan. A-S-L-A-N. Aslan, he actually represents Christ. And so in the story of Lewis that he writes, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, there's a great little dialogue between, yes, a talking beaver named Mr. Beaver and a character named Susan, a young little girl named Susan, regarding Aslan the lion. Mr. Beaver said to Susan, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Dear friends, beware of versions of Christianity that have claimed to tame the depth and the riches and mercy of God. Yes, beware of Christianity that has 
a version of Christianity that has claimed to tame the depth and the riches of God's knowledge and wisdom. Beware of religious teachers who assert that they have an inside corner on God's mind and his plans and his actions. Beware of those who have made God small, those who have put God on a leash. Beware of those who believe that they have, that they have the capability to barter and negotiate with God's mercy. Beware of those who have made God into a domesticated cat rather than seeing him as an unsafe but good lion. Beware of those who are buddy-buddy with God Almighty. So if God cannot be bought, if he cannot be tamed or domesticated, how shall we respond to such a God? The answer is quite simple. We hear this from Paul in our epistle reading as well, and that is this, that we give him glory. Indeed, we give him glory. Indeed, we give God glory and we walk with reverence before him. We close our mouths and we listen to the Lord God. This is actually what our small catechism teaches us when it says that we are to fear, love, and trust in God. In other words, we fear God because he is bigger and wiser than us. He's not tame. Yet we love and trust him because even though he is not tame, he is still good to you and me. But there's another aspect to this as well. If the Lord is actually above us and we cannot invade his mind, and if we do not have control over the Lord's plans, and if we cannot negotiate and barter with God, is there anything that we can actually know about God himself? Are we perhaps blind followers? Are we ignorant fools? Is there anything that we can know about God, about his mind, his plans, and his actions? Contrary to what we might think, there is. You see, baptized saints, we know that the mind of God is not us climbing. We know the mind of God not by us climbing to the heights of his majesty. And we know the plans of God not by infiltrating his holy will. And we actually know his mercy, but not by our pious negotiations or holy manipulation. But instead, we know the mind. We know the will. We know the mercy of God by his Son. Instead, yes, by his Son, God speaks to us directly. By his Son, Jesus Christ, the world was actually created. By his Son, Jesus Christ, we see the reflection of God's glory. By his Son, Jesus Christ, we see the exact imprint of God's very being. And so, if you want to know the mind of God, listen to Christ. If you want to see the plans of God, look at Christ. If you want to receive the mercy of God, Trust in Christ. Baptized saints, you and I cannot dictate to God how he should dance for us, how he should act for us, or how he must treat us because we have actually no authority over our creator. However, at the same time, we must note, at the same time, the Lord God has made himself known to you and to me. He has made himself known to you and me on his own terms through Christ through Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection for you. The Lord God on his own terms has chosen to reveal his will, deliver his mercy, and fulfill his plans through the word put on flesh, Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we often hear about discontent Christians. Discontent Christians who have been on a lifelong journey to discover the mind and the plans and the actions of God, always searching and never finding Perhaps they're always searching and never finding because they have failed to realize that they have everything inverted. 
in their chasing of God, they're actually running away from a God that stands right behind them in Christ for them. Indeed. And so, listen up, dear friends. You are not on the hunt for God. It is God who hunts you. He is the Lion of Judah. He pursues you. He sniffs you out. He comes to you on his own terms to reach you and to claim you as his own. He came to humanity long ago in that manger to bleed and to die, and he comes to you right now in his word and sacrament on his own terms to grant you unmerited mercy, wisdom, and assurance. And so, repent. You and me both repent. Repent of trying to put God into our debt and instead receive God on his own terms in Christ for you. Repent of your attempts to storm the castle of God's wisdom and walk in a way of worship that receives wisdom as a sheer gift in his holy word. Repent of trying to make God small and instead find contentment in a holy reverence standing under the plans of a God who is good and gracious to you as a recipient of his unmerited grace and mercy in Christ. Baptized saints, you have Christ, and Christ has you. And so in Christ, you have the mind of God, the fulfilled plan of God, and the mercy of God in Christ. And so this day, rest in what has been given to you already and what he continues to give to you, while giving glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. strong word bespeaks us righteous bright with thine own holiness thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon you can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from pastor matthew richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit saint paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org The Lord bless and keep you.